I forgot to record <laughs> uh, our lesson this past Wednesday, so uh, I went ahead and spent some time and just went re-recorded uh, uh, our lesson again. So here it is. Here is this November of 2023's lesson for uh, family faith formation. Uh, it's about the Our Father and how Jesus prayed. Welcome to A Family of Faith, Volume 4. This is our November lecture. We're going to talk today about how Jesus prayed. The beginning of the Our Father, talking about it as the summary of the whole gospel. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're going to go over today. There were some opening questions that we had. Um, how did we first learn how to pray? And I invite you to kind of think about that. When was the first time you learned how to pray? For me, it was with my grandmother. I remember as a, as a little kid, her teaching me and my sister how to pray the, um, uh, angel prayer. And that was, uh, the first time that I kind of learned how to pray. What was the person that most influenced your prayer life? It could be somebody that you know, a family member, or a close friend of the family, or it could be a saint or some other person that you've read their writings or different things like that. For me, certainly my grandmother at the beginning, there was some other people that I was looking up to in high school that influenced my prayer. The Charismatic Renewal in general was a place that influenced my prayer. St. John Paul II, um, St. John Vianney, those are the kind of people that influence me in my prayer. For whom do you, our children learn how to pray? And that's a really honest question because the answer might not be you. If that's the case, then you have the opportunity to change that. But it's also good to like ask that question. Is it your parents, their grandparents? Is it somebody else in the family? Uh, if that's where it is, that's where it is. But this is the opportunity then to maybe think about you yourself growing in, in relationship with the Lord, that they can learn from you as well. When should we pray? And the whole group, when they answered this, said, uh, anytime. And that is so true. We can pray at any moment of any time of every day. That's super exciting and super freeing. But there's also something to be said that we take certain time out every day to pray. Like every day to choose to pray at a particular time at the same time every day. I know I struggle with this to do it the same time every day. But I tell you when I've done that, it has been uh, some of the most fruitful and some of the most faithful times in my life. So I encourage you, like, if you don't have a time to pray, to pray. And as a family, you probably pray in the evening, maybe before the kids go to bed. There's something also to be said about praying at the beginning of the day, to consecrating our day um, with the Lord. What are some key attitudes of the heart that can help us to pray? 
And the group answered all sorts of things. I, I honestly don't remember what they said. Uh, but for me, I think humility, that's one of the, we, we talked about in the previous lesson. If we're not humble in our prayer, it's going to be hard for us to, uh, to pray well. So let's talk about Jesus. If you think about Jesus in Nazareth as a child, he first learned how to pray by watching Joseph and Mary pray. By seeing them pray with scripture from memory. By seeing Mary kneel down and, Jesus, and Joseph kneel down and just pray in their homes every day. That they were faithful to go to synagogue or if they had the opportunity even to the temple in Jerusalem to go to Passover every year in Jerusalem. He learned from them how to pray. For me, there was a spiritual director. He said, anytime that you struggle to pray, just go back to Nazareth. Go and sit at the feet of Joseph and Mary. Because if they could teach Jesus, the son of the living God, <laughs> there's something that I can probably learn too. That's such a beautiful gift. That even God humbled himself to receive that from human beings, from human parents. And in that, he dignified the human family as this domestic church, as this place to encounter God. To encounter his father. Now, if you think about it, right, the, Jesus' relationship to his father was paramount in his life. We even see that at the age of 12, when they found him in the temple, he said, would I, would I not be in my father's house? And you can see over the course of his public ministry, time and again, he references his relationship to his father. Over and over again, that's what he does. In John chapter 17, during his his. Uh, Last Supper discourse, he has this whole prayer to the Father for the apostles. It's such a, it was such a gift to him. And his Father, and his relationship with his Father was the source of his prayer. Right? That it was the relationship that allowed him to do that. We can also see that Jesus prayed in decisive moments during his life. He prayed at the beginning of his ministry, right? At, the, at his baptism where his father said, this is my beloved son. And then before starting his ministry, what does he do? He goes for 40 days in the desert and fasts and prays and enters deeper into scripture, Throwing that in the evil one's face. He prayed at the transfiguration as he's preparing to go to Jerusalem to die. 
before some of his big events, he would go off and pray. Even the night before he died, what does he do? He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And as we examine how Jesus prayed, we see that he went to his father for strength and direction in all the key events of his life. God was seeking direction from his father. Like, y'all, that's super humbling. Like, how many times when we have a decision, we might ask a friend, we might ask a family member, we might, you know, do some research on the internet. And how often do we go to the Lord in the decisive moments of our lives and say, Lord, what is your will for me? Not only that, when he prayed to his father, he began with a prayer of thanksgiving. In John chapter 11, he says, Father, I thank you for hearing me. Right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. When Jesus prayed to his father, he started with thanksgiving and an acknowledgement that his father heard him. Man, when we pray, do we acknowledge that God is going to hear us? Or do we like, okay, God, if you hear me right now, you know, can you answer my prayer? You know, it's not like, it's not that simple. Actually, it's even simpler. <laughs> it's even simpler. Like he's going, he's listening. And for us, it's for us to acknowledge and to remind ourselves, thank you, Lord, for listening to my prayer. God always hears our prayers. There's never a time that he doesn't hear our prayers. And that love of the Lord and our trust and his ever-present care for us is so important. We asked the question earlier, what are some of the key attitudes of the heart that can help us to pray? Well, Jesus shows three key attitudes, three keys to prayer. Conversion, faith, and watchfulness. So what is conversion? Conversion comes from the word, the Greek word metanoia, which means a change of the heart, like to, 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 to make a turn, to turn around, going from one direction and then turning in the opposite direction. So it's not just like a change of decision, it's a change of mission. It's a change of orientation. Like, where is my heart directed? And the first key to prayer is for us to turn our hearts towards God from whatever else that our heart is turned to. Whether that's the anxiety of the day, whether it's our desire for power or some other thing. To turn our hearts to the living God. See, it's not enough to say or to do the right thing if our heart is not in the, that place. 
St. Paul says this in the beginning of chapter 13 of his letter to the Corinthians. I can, I can speak all of the, the, the prophecy and wisdom, but if I do not have love, my heart is a, a, a resounding gong, a clashing cymbal. I mean, that's what the Pharisees were. They said everything right. And they, quote unquote, did everything right. But their heart wasn't directed and oriented toward the Lord. And this key of conversion is a gift. Right? God gives us this grace to turn back to him. Obviously, we can't do it on our own because we're, 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 we were directed towards something else, <laughs> right? If, if we could turn, if we, we could always be like oriented towards him, we wouldn't need him. But we get distracted. So that's the first key. The second key is faith. St. Paul says in his letter to the Hebrews, faith is the realization of what is heard. Let me do that again. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. So in order for us to pray well, we must believe We must believe. We must trust that God is who he says he is. Not some, not our idea of who he is, not our desire of what he should be, but that we believe that what he has revealed to us through the scriptures and through the tradition of the church, that he is who he says he is. And that is all that we need. And this faith is a gift again. God grants us the grace to that. And you might wonder, well, Father, well then, if God gives us this grace, then why doesn't everybody believe? Because we need to receive the gift. <laughs> a gift can be given and not received. If you don't believe me, their entire songs and romance novels about unrequited love. <laughs> A gift given that is not received. <laughs> How many times are we the one that the Lord is pouring himself out upon and we're, yeah, no, not really. No, thank you. Now we can seek to understand what it is that we believe, but it must begin in faith. So these first two, right, conversion and faith, are things that we receive. So it's really God doing most of the work. We just have to say yes, like the Blessed Virgin Mary. But this last thing, this last thing is our responsibility. This last key is watchfulness. Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark, be watchful. Be about 
Dang it, I cannot read my words to save my life. Let's try that again. Be watchful. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. See, Jesus calls us to be watchful people, to be attentive. Our God is very subtle. He speaks quietly. He does not speak loudly. He's not like all of this world that is trying to bang everything. Come, look at me. Look at me. Oh, no, look at me. Look at me. You should have definitely seen me do that. I would look ridiculous just now. <laughs> but how many times God does not do that? He shared himself. We have everything that we need. His definitive revelation has already been given to us. But he's constantly revealing that deeper. Giving us the grace to know him deeper. But we have to be attentive. We have to be watchful. This watchfulness is a constant watchfulness. He's always speaking to us. There's never a time that he's not. And that helps us to receive him now, but it also prepares our hearts for when he comes again, either at the moment of our death or at the end of time. Finally, we also live on this precipice of turning away from him. (laughs) And so part of our watchfulness in prayer is the recognition that the evil one is prowling like a, a... the evil one is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. St. Peter says in his first letter. So we have to be constantly aware of the, of the fact that we are going to be tempted. I think we're often surprised when we're tempted. Like, well, who, how dare him that he tempt me? Like, I was doing good. Like, no. He hates us, and he, he he's constantly working for our evil ends. <laughs> like, there's never a time that the evil one is not going to want to tempt us. So we must be watchful. And it's in these three keys to prayer that help us to put on, us on our way to a deep and intimate relationship with the Father to imitate Christ in his relationship. Now in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes off by himself to pray. And when he comes back, the apostles say, you know, John taught his apostles how to pray. And the Pharisees have taught their apostles, Lord, teach us how to pray. They saw in him what they wanted to be. And so they asked him. And what he gives them is the Our Father. Now, I think there's a great lesson for parents in this, right? If you want your children to pray, then they have to see you pray. This is a reminder for me, too. If I want you to pray, you have to see me pray (laughs) as your father as your priest. And this our father is the fundamental Christian prayer. It is the prayer that is given to us by the Lord himself. 
and it is the summary of the whole of the gospel. In the catechism, it tells us that the, our Father is at the center of the scriptures and is the prayer of the church. This is a direct quote from Catechism 2761. The Lord's Prayer is the summary of the whole gospel. Since the Lord, after handing over the practice of prayer, said elsewhere, ask and you shall receive, and since everyone has petitions which are peculiar to his circumstances, the regular and appropriate prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is said first as the foundation of other further desires. So before we communicate our own personal desires, we pray the Our Father so that we can conform our desires to the will of the Heavenly Father. Jesus gave us the Our Father to teach us to know what we need in order to live as sons and daughters of God. It shares with us the good news that we are children of God, which is the message of the gospel. In the Our Father, heaven doesn't refer to a specific place. Rather, it is a way of being. To be in heaven means to look upon the holiness and sacredness of God. Everything that makes us feel wonder and awe in our lives is only a small foretaste of the wonder and awesomeness of God who created all things and transcends everything. Heaven is our true homeland toward which we are journeying. Because God is our Father. He desires to enter into His home. He desires us to enter into His home, to be truly united with Him in love. At this point, we would have our um, discussion on the sacred art. Uh, I'll have a link for the, the piece of art in the uh, show notes. But I encourage you just to look at it, to pray with it, see what's going on. There are two Im main images on the left-hand side. You have Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. On the right-hand side at the bottom, you have Jesus healing a leper. And there's all kinds of other stuff that's going on. We were able to pick out a whole bunch of things um, at the lesson itself. So don't be afraid to kind of sit and pray with that a little bit. And then we go to the discussing questions. Um, and they're kind of, they're more or less going over what I just talked about. Um, from whom must Jesus first have learned how to pray? His parents. Um, what are some of the decisive moments in Jesus' life when he prayed to the Father? How do these correspond to the moments in your own life? I think that second part is a good question to ask. Like, what are those times when we've prayed to the Lord and asked for his help? Those decisive moments, I, I know for me, like as a priest, like that's been really important for me. Um, in moving parishes and saying yes to the Lord in the priesthood. Third question, Jesus prayed so that he could teach us how to do what? Well, to pray. <laughs> how did Jesus begin his prayer to the Father? How do you think he began that? Why do you think he began that way? And how do you usually begin your prayers to God? <laughs> that last one, I think, is a good... How do we usually begin our prayers to God? 
I have a feeling that we just kind of jump right in. There's no preamble. Should there be? What is conversion? Have you ever experienced a moment of conversion in your own life? Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) Obviously. I (laughs) I wouldn't be a priest if I hadn't. I'll give one example. Uh, Specifically, the Lord's will in my life. I don't know if you know that that, uh, I'm also a musician. I love to play music. And when I was in seminary college, this was... uh, the year of Katrina, 2005, uh, we had a rock band in the seminary. It was awesome. It was so much fun. That was our kind of release after doing academics and all of the other stresses of both school and seminary to just kind of release and have some fun and write songs and play music. And um, we, we were like, we were pretty good. <laughs> You know, all things considered. Um, and I think there was this point where we had to have the discussion. Like, what is it that God wants us to do with this? Because we could go out on the road. We could, you know, advertise and, and kind of show our records and um, and become this thing where we'd have to leave seminary and, and do this rock thing. And to be honest, I kind of really wanted to rock out. No, I think that was in part because I just wanted to run away from all of the pain and suffering that was going on in my city and in my family because of Katrina and all the difficulties that happened because of that. Um, and I, you know, so I was kind of running away from what God had called me to which was the priesthood. Like, I just didn't want to, this would, this seemed more fun at the moment. The, the, the deeper, uh, yeah, it was just more fun. Seminary was hard. It requires a lot from you, which it should. <laughs> um, and we had a break, uh, Christmas break and, I had a lot of, I was active in a lot of retreats and doing a lot of things. And in and, and those like three or four weeks between semesters, the Lord did a lot in me just to remind me of the, the call that he had given me. And that his desire was that I become a priest, not that I become a rock star. Not that I try to pursue this musical career. Um, and I turned back to him. And y'all, I don't, I don't regret that at all. Not, not in the least. Now, we would have had a long road. <laughs> Knowing the music industry, uh, it would have been a long, hard road. It would have been fun. It would have been a blast. We would have been poor as hell. Um, but it would have been, yeah. But that's not what the Lord wanted for me. So I had this opportunity to turn back to him and say, Okay, Lord. I see that this is not what you desire for me. This is what I want for me. But what I want for me isn't going to bring me one lasting peace to the fullness of joy that you desire for me. Next question. What does the Pharisees... Jeez, I cannot read today. What does Jesus warn the Pharisees about? 
Well, he warns them about not having the heart, our hearts in it. That acting and saying one thing and then internally having something else. When we pray in faith, with what must our prayers be in accordance? Ooh. Have you ever thought about that? Is my prayer in accordance with God's will? I'm just showing this up because I know that I need this right now and I need God to be my spiritual Amazon to provide me what I need in this moment. But just in this moment, you know, I need two-day shipping. Or am I praying with the desire that what I'm praying for is also God's will for me? I think that's part of what the gift of faith does is that it begins to con- let us let our egos and our pride and our selfishness begin to seep away and allow the Lord to shine through. Hmm. How must we live every moment? Would living in this way make a difference in your life? We must live every moment of our lives as if God may come again in glory today to judge the living and the dead. That's not, the, that's not something I covered earlier before, so I'm glad that they asked this question. We must, that is part of the watchfulness of being ready at any moment for him to come. As part of what we celebrate, we will be celebrating very soon in the season of Advent. Next question. Because the, Lord, the disciples saw how Jesus prayed, they wished to imitate him and so asked him to teach them how to pray. What does this say about the way we should pray in front of and with our children? I think that answer is um, self-explanatory. Why did Jesus give us the Our Father? He gave us the Our Father, one, to help to conform our wills with the Father's will by praying the prayer of the Son to the Father. But it's also a pedagogical thing. It teaches us the whole mystery of the gospel. The good news that we are children of God. What is the most radical revelation of the Our Father prayer? Ooh. See, Jesus called God his Father and asks us to do the same. The God who in the Old Testament was shrouded in mystery and whose name the Hebrew people were not even allowed to pronounce is now revealed as our Father. He goes from being distant and ever-powerful and mysterious to now being eminent, to being relatable, to being someone who can, we can be with all of the time. The beauty of God's name in the Old Testament, I am who am, is so powerful but I would rather talk to father than I am who am. (laughs) I'll contemplate the mystery of I am who am. 
But man, I want to talk to dad. Because we can enter in that to that familiar relationship with him. Now, because God is our father, ooh, how should we behave? What are ways you can behave more like a son or a daughter of God? So calling God our father in prayer means that we relate to him as his children and recognizing our dignity as a child of God should cause us to desire to become like him. St. Cyprian Uh, An early Christian theologian said that we must remember and know that when we call God our Father, we ought to behave as sons of God. Oh, man. That that reminds me when I used to get in trouble with my mom. You're making me look bad, boy. (laughs) We ever thought about that? That when we sin... We sin against our dignity as children of God. That we turn our back on the Father and we say that I don't want to be your child. I think that makes sin more real. Not something we just talk about, but is a relational quality. Through what sacrament do we become children of God? Baptism. Why do we say our father instead of my father? Well, our expresses the truth that we are united in faith, that we are one family. And through baptism, we are connected to every other person in the church. We are united in one body and like the early church, we should learn, yearn for that unity in the body of Christ. What does heaven refer to in the Our Father? Now, heaven is not a specific place. Because to have a place, you have to have a physical reality. And those that are in heaven are spiritual. It is a way of being. To be in heaven is to look upon the holiness and the glory and the sacredness of God. Heaven is our true homeland toward which we are journeying. Because God is our Father, He desires us to enter into His home to be truly united with Him in love. We had this past Sunday, we talked about the Our Father and we had the stations of Our Father. I wished... uh, um, more of y'all could have joined us, but life life is the way that it is. Um, I encourage you to um, to take this month and and use one of these the lessons that that are provided um, in the uh, the book. I th- all of them are pretty age appropriate, uh, but they're all gonna foster conversation about the Our Father. And if you haven't already, like make this month about the Our Father. Pray it with your family every day. When you prepare for Thanksgiving, think about how Thanksgiving and our being grateful for all that we've received connects us to the Our Father and connects us to our relationship with the Father in prayer.
Prayer is such a gift. Don't let it wallow away like some of the gifts that we receive at Christmas and we forget about and we put it in a, a shelf and we remember it every so often and we take it out and we look at it and then we put it back. Let it be that special gift like the, the watch that we wear every day or the pair of shoes or the pair of socks that we've been given that remind us of the gift It'd be something that we put on, in a sense. Every day is a reminder that we've been made children of God. <laughs>